Exciting episode of No Driving Gloves, where Derek, John, and Will will use over 75 years combined industry knowledge to bring you a bare-knuckled view on the collector car hobby. So let's get rolling. Merry Christmas, everybody. We're actually dropping this on Christmas Day. Didn't think that one through. We probably should have taken this week off, but we promised you an episode. Unfortunately, Derek's out Christmas shopping, I believe, with his fiance. He's at Lowe's, so maybe he's just Christmas shopping for himself. So he won't be joining us this evening. So you just have Will and I. How's your week went, Will, since we last spoke? Well, you know, it's been pretty normal just, you know, working. Uh, right now we're working a lot of hours. So actually I just uh, uh, basically just turned all the lights off in the fab shop, come in here and put on my headphones and start talking. So it's uh, it's been a long day, but, uh, you know, it's part of it. That's, uh, that's what we do. We work hard and try to have a little bit of fun after after work, you know. Yep, I'm I'm kind of winding up my e- year. Tomorrow's my last day for the year, and I'm recording a couple days before Christmas. I'll go home for the rest of the year. My birthday's the following week. I never work on my birthday, never have in 45 years on the planet. So not going to start now. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> to say I always get it easy. Will jokes that I never work, and my coworkers joke that I never work, and I hope my boss jokes that I never work. But <laughs> <laughs> Where there's smoke, there's fire, so... Uh, do you really work, John, or you just get a paycheck? <laughs> I know they, uh, they, I know they miss me when I'm gone. So I guess I must actually do stuff, but it, it, again, this collector car stuff, I don't think you really call it work, even though you've been doing 12, 15 hour days the last couple of weeks. And when I have to do 12, 15 hour days or whatever I do every day, just come so naturally. It's, it's fun. It doesn't really, it doesn't feel like work. You, you know, you're right. There, there are times where, you know, like, like right now, we're kind of pushing on a, on a project. You know, there, there are times where it, it gets a little. You know, you get tired and you get you ready. You want to, you, you know, you want to go home and, but you just kind of gotta, you know, stick it out for another hour or two and finish up the task that you're trying to finish. And you know, we set, we set pretty pretty hard timelines on us when we get to this point on a project. And, uh, uh, sometimes it, it, it gets a little, it gets a little frustrating, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, generally it's just a two, maybe a three week push. If it's going to be over that, then we'll just bang away a little bit more in regular hours and then, then hit it hard. It's just, it's not worth pushing over, over really a couple of weeks. Well, not to, uh, stroke your ego or anything you don't get to be one of those top shops in that by working strict eight to five hours and taking an hour lunch or two 15 minute breaks a day it there's pushing i've been there before where you do 12 15 18 hour 24 hour days to try to get stuff done to meet a deadline meet a show make a client happy it's part part of the industry but like i said i have fun doing it i don't have to do it every day anymore especially in the museum world where I'm at, we don't have hard, hard deadlines. We have deadlines, but it's not like when I was at Pizza Hut 25, 30 years ago and we had to cook $2,000 worth of pizzas in an hour. And at that time it was uh, like eight bucks for a medium and then four bucks, four bucks, four bucks. So it's a lot of pizzas at $4 a piece. Yeah, it's a lot of pizzas. You know, you're right. You know, 
you're not going to get ahead in any, any industry by just going in and working normal hours. I mean, you gotta, you gotta push it and you gotta be, you gotta be willing to, to work hard and, and have an understanding significant other that uh, sees your passion and in, in what you do too. Cause a lot of times that you, you're not seeing eye to eye with your wife or spouse or whatever. And uh, uh, it can get hard on the home front. So you, they got to be willing to have an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish too. And if, if they see, you know, that you're having success, that always, that makes it a little easier. And then they're willing to, you know, help you and, and, and get there. So uh, my wife completely understands that at least a couple times a year, uh, there'll be, a couple of weeks where she just really won't even see me. I, I get in after she goes to bed and leave before she gets up. De- definitely take understanding significant other, and you, you kind of won the lottery on that. I've had my my women troubles over the years, and I'm trying again to slow down and get a little bit. And after we just talked about me never working, I do some <laughs> long hours, and there there's an event I manage every year in October, and if it wasn't for the fact my father can't, comes down and volunteers at that event, I probably would just go ahead and camp at the event and never go home for five days straight because that 45 minute drive home and that 45 minute drive back is just an hour and a half. I lose every day that I need. That's right. Fortunately he does come down. So I do get a little bit of mental break from it and it's part of work again. Like I said, I love it and I enjoy it. That's right. It's also why I think uh, us three sit down for a couple hours every week and bore our listeners to death about our conversations and topics. And we mentioned last week, or I mentioned last week incorrectly for the umpteenth time and I think 29 episodes at this point and using hot rod and street rod as a synonym. And you called me out on it again. I thought we would take an opportunity tonight since it's just you and I, to help educate our listeners on those terms as we kind of talked about a, briefly in the pre-show we have hot rod street rod retro rod rat rod street machine uh, there's dozens of these terms and you live in a world where these terms are viable and they mean something different and when it comes to giving awards and what you're building the car for and i was hoping you'd be able to explain a little bit of that I'm probably going to listen a lot in this con- th- this episode and not be my typical narcissistic self and talk all the time, but hopefully have some poignant questions and listen to you. And maybe you won't have to correct me too much after episode 30 or maybe 40 or episode. 50. Well, it's all right. It don't, it don't bother me correcting you, John, because there ain't many things to correct you on. <laughs> hey, I, I get lucky, but l- let's just start. Everybody knows that you you know you own Big Oak Garage and you build some really fine rides and put them out there and you've contended for some of the biggest awards in the industry. You've won some of the biggest awards in the industry. Tell us, I would say, what does Big Oak Garage build as far as hot rods and what is your definition of a hot rod as far as Big Oak Garage is concerned? Well... A hot rod can be anything, okay? Um, well, I say anything. Anything domestic with a V8 motor, okay, engine. Uh, 
to me is is what a hot rod start out being. So you can take a, a brand new Corvette and add power adders, suspension, and, and it becomes a hot rod. You can take a Model A Ford and build it in more of a kind of a traditional fashion. And by traditional, what I mean is something that was kind of built back in, you know, back in the day, back in the, you know, 60s, 70s, whatever. Um, and to me, that's a hot rod. You can take a 69 Camaro and, and make it a hot rod. Then again, you can take a 69 Camaro and make it a pro tour and street machine as well. Um, so really a, a hot rod is, is, you know, big and little tires, um, a souped up motor, whatever it is, um, and more of an aggressive, I'm going to say drag race type of look, you know, you can have 18 and 20 inch wheels on a hot rod. Then again, you can have 14s on the front and 15 inch wheels on the back and it's still a hot rod. Uh, so really a hot rod is more of a traditionally built drag race oriented styled car. Yes, it's a street, it's a street car that you can drive on the street, but it has influences from drag racing. You can go and look at pretty much any car that comes out of Bobby Alloway's shop, Alloway's Hot Rods, and it's a freaking hot rod. I mean, it's got big, big wheels and tires on the back, smaller ones on the front, a big badass motor, generally a straight shift, kind of stripped down, you know, not a lot of fancy doodads and trinkets, um, simple interior. Um, it don't have a backup camera. It don't have all this super modern crap. It's just kind of a stripped down bare bones hot rod. Like I said, 90% of the cars that come out of Alloway shop, it's, it's a hot rod. Um, and then you can go street ride to street ride for one thing is going to be 1948 and older. A 1949 car is not a street ride. Yes. I know street rider magazine is is up to i think 57 no they're up to in the 60s uh, but a street rod is 1948 and older all right yes you can have a 1948 older hot rod or a 1948 older street rod a street rod is going to be more of i'm going to say more on the luxury side Okay, it's going to have air conditioning. It's going to have the modern conveniences of today. A lot of them have backup cameras and GPS and uh, and stuff like that. So to me, there's, there's the big difference between a hot rod and a street rod. A street rod is, is modernizing an older 48 and older vehicle to today's amenities where a hot rod is more stripped down bare bones big motor um small wheels in the front big wheels in the back uh, and and you know there's some out there that kind of blend the two um but that's 
that's my biggest difference between a hot rod and street rod. You can take, uh, you know, a 61 Impala and put big and littles on it, put it down on the ground and put a, you know, a blower sticking through the hood and there's a, there's a hot rod. And then those type of cars become, you know, if you modernize those, if you really start changing the body lines and, you know, cutting the bumpers and changing door handles and trim, um, chopping tops, they become what they call a custom rod. If you leave the body stock appearing, maybe lowered, big wheels, big brakes, late model motor transmission, maybe an updated interior, a fairly new term that I think originated from Barrett Jackson is a resto mod. Um, not a big fan of that term. I, I never use it. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of what they're referring to as a resto mod. It's kind of restored on the outside, but modified on the inside. And then of course you can get into the pro touring side of things. To me, there's no such thing as a pro touring street rod. Yeah. There's been people out there build street rods to, you know, corner handle well, and stuff like that, but to me, it's still a street rod. To me, when I think of pro touring, it's the modern day street machine. It's um, it, it's a muscle car that you have modified to handle like a new Corvette. It's got big brakes. It's got you know eighteen inch, nineteen inch wheels and tires with you know a, a low um, you know a two hundred tread rating for for your tires so it's stickier and it's designed to corner and stop and have bunches of power um 99 of all your pro touring cars are all you know fuel injected whether it's an ls motor or a, a coyote or generally it's a late model you know motor they're they're already out there running the new lt motors the new hemis um so that's that's your pro touring side and and yeah you can you can take a truck and make it a pro touring truck and you know there there's a lot of blending that goes back and forth uh with these terms that that kind of covers the the basics of it john you got any any questions no i I'm taking in what you're saying, and I see a lot of to me, it's and that's probably where my confusion comes in is the overlap in that. But you're basically saying that if I want to get into a street rod, it technically needs to be an older than 1948 vehicle. Right. And it can still have the big wheels and back and small wheels in front, but it's modernized in some fashions. And then you're saying the hot rod is similar to what you do. And it, it right. can kind of be any model year, but. I'm guessing normally newer than 48 and is designed to be built for performance more in a straight line than maybe going around corners and such and can have a little bit of modifications in that, but everything on it is functional. It's not done for appearance sake. It's done because that modification adds to the performance of the vehicle. A lot of guys are building cars to look like a hot rod, but they're really kind of a sheep and wolf's closing type of thing. You know, it's it's developed into its own look. I consider 
the gold 32 sedan that we built it, to me that's just a straight up hot rod i mean it's stripped down um yes it's full fendered um but it's got you know knockoff wheels it's got an aluminum interior it's got headers that come out the side no hood sides um that is a to me that is a definition of a hot rod where a street rotted 32 would have you know hood sides and a nice plush interior cruise control um air condition a heater you know this car don't even have a heater um so a hot rod can be a look as well as a performance oriented thing as well does that make sense yes okay good good so you know you see a you see an unchopped 32 with a leather interior that's you know really built more to say drive to you know on long distances that's going to be more of a street ride yes there are guys that take a car like the gold 32 that we built with no heat no air exhaust coming out the side it's loud as hell you know it's got stiff suspension and they do they drive them cross country the street rod is more enjoyable for your wife to ride uh cross country you know what i'm saying <laughs> we, we kind of touched on that a week an episode or two ago yeah. yeah we did we did i would hop in that gold 32 and drive it to california and not think nothing about it. um my wife would ride 20 minutes down the road and she's gonna be ready to get out you know it's just um to me you gotta sacrifice comfort for cool and to me, there's nothing cooler than just a bare bone stripped down hot rod, lightweight, rowdy sounding motor, tires that look good, that don't ride good. You know, I mean, that's just me. So if we get into, I'm thinking of some of the stuff that's I've seen around around your shop, you actually get into a little bit of all of it, though. Yeah, we, we really do. You know, the 48 Ford Coupe that we built, it's a straight up street ride. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, it, it's just a really nice, clean street ride. Um, the gold sedan's a hot rod. Um, the 10 Woody that we built, it's, uh, you know, it's more of a custom rod. It's uh, a modernized 51 Chevy 10 Woody. You know, LS powered, big wheels, big tires. Nice plush leather interior, air condition. Actually, it's got two air conditions. It's got a rear air and front air. The black Impala that we built um, would be really considered more of a, a resto mod. Uh, just nice wheels and tires, big brakes. Everything is stock on the outside. 90% of the interior is stock, but you raise the hood, and there's a super detailed big block. You know, I, I appreciate everything. So it, a lot of it just depends on the customers, um, uh, what they like, you know, and, and a lot of times you can tell what they like when they walk in the door with what they're wearing, how they talk, uh, the shoes they wear. You can pretty much tell what kind of car they want just by watching them. Um, we kind of have a, a joke about two guys that are, they're the people that go to Sturgis with their Harleys, but yep. they ha have their Harleys shipped up there. 
<laughs> and then they fly in, they get in, the, get a, you know, unload the Harleys 20 miles outside of, say, Sturgis, and then ride on in. And they did that one year, and I guess somebody walked up to both of them, pointed at them, and goes, lawyer and banker. And they were floored because one's a lawyer and one's a banker. And they're kind of going... How did how did you know? Because you know they're not in their suits; they're in their leathers and their jeans and their t-shirt. Oh, yeah. And she goes, "Brand new shoes, crease perfectly creased pressed jeans." It's <laughs> you, you can kind yeah. of tell that when I used to sell cars, one of the little techniques that you use to judge somebody on you know kind of pre-qualifying them you know being judgmental of these people if they're whether or not they're there to buy a car they're there to bs you if they can afford what they're looking at is to look at their shoes because yeah uh an income challenged person will usually dress up to buy a car but they won't you know they'll have a nice shirt or you know even a, a polo or a button down and they'll put on their good jeans but no matter what they, their shoes always have some sort of wear. I'm kind of guilty of that. I don't fit in that. I'm the exception to that rule. And a wealthy person, I, I know I, I know some extremely wealthy people that like to go into the Bentley dealership and say Bentley of New York City, and they dress down and, you know, put on a flannel shirt or, you know, uh, a little alligator polo, not a real polo and some Levi's or something and go in there to kind of harass the salesman, but they always lose because they don't have crappy shoes to go with the outfit. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You get these little subtle things out of people that, that you have, you know, as a salesman, you kind of have to watch for. And like you said, there, there's, there's a little cues, I think with the way people are when, when they, you know, how they're dressed when they come in and you can, I, I didn't want you to give away your secrets and, you know, be judgmental in case any of your customers are listening and going, I had you made when you walked in and I knew what you asked for. It wasn't what we were going to end up building. But <laughs> we, we all have our cues about that. Sometimes my spelling and grammar and punctuation isn't the greatest in writing. And here I am doing a podcast trying to do public speaking. And people think I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's just... I'm sure I'm judged a lot differently than the person I am. It's it's kind of weird how how that really happens. I mean, you can really you can tell a lot about a person, especially when they're when they're not at work, when they're in their environment that they like being in, and you know, ninety nine percent of the guys that come up here, you you would assume that you know they didn't really have what it would take to build a car like this, you know, I'll, I'll use one guy, an example, a guy we built that 48 Ford coupe for, I mean, if Roger Raminger was his name, super good guy, um, love him to death. And if, if he were to walk in, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that he would have much of anything. Uh, I mean, just old wore out shoes, shirts with holes in it, blue jeans with holes in it. He has a rat tail. You know, I mean, you just, you would automatically assume that he couldn't afford a car like that. So that was, you know, that's one great thing that I learned early in my career because that was one of the first cars that we built was, you know, don't judge a book by its cover because you, you don't know. You don't know what that guy's got, you know. 
and um and he told me what kind of car he wanted to build and i said all right dude let's do it you know it was my first car that ever got shot for a magazine first car that ever won any kind of good guys award uh first top 25 at shades i mean we're talking a nice car so yeah it's kind of it's kind of funny how and i and i i, I kind of knew the style of car that he wanted too when he when he walked in i was like you know well you know, he's going to want a street rod. He just, he looks like a street rider. Oh, <laughs> uh, a guy walks in wearing, you know, Chuck Taylors and has some tattoos and hair slicked back. He's going to want a hot rod. You know, he's not going to want no plush leather interior and comfy seating and stuff like that. So you're saying you can qualify him a little bit, but you seem to have a little bit more open mind than the used car salesman in me that everybody's got a buck somewhere. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I never rule anybody out. You know, most of the people that we're building cars for, it's their passion, you know? So they, when they're not at work, they kind of dress the part and act the part. You know, if you go to a, I know last episode we talked about the Radwood type show, you know, there's shows out there like billet proof that you mentioned and, you know, these traditional type hot rod car shows, you know, you go to a show like that and it's a lot like Radwood, you know, that's, that's not, a lot of them aren't dressing up to come to the show. That's, that's, that's a daily thing. They wear jeans with stains and, you know, they, they slick their hair back. They got neck tattoos, you know, they wear jewelry rings and, you know, it's just, it's just that culture, you know, street riders, like, you know, guys like my dad's age, you know, they wear their straw hat and their, you know, NSRA street rod nationals t-shirt and their new balance tennis shoes. And, you know, that's just, just, <laughs> it's just the way they dress, you know, it's just kind of their, their thing. So you, you can tell, tell a lot about the style of car, a person likes just by the way they they carry themselves and dress and whatnot. Now that you've given away all your trade secrets, the next six guys that walk into your shop are going to dress differently just to throw, <laughs> <laughs> throw throw you off their path. And that's fine. That's fine. So we'll still build them the car that they want. If 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 they come in with a pompadour and you know leather shoes and a neck tattoo and they want to. 69 Camaro Pro Tour, and hey, let's build it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no coming back. No, no, that, that's not the car you want. This is the car. <laughs> so w when when we get into these these terms, we've kind of, you know, done hot rod and street rod and touched a little bit on uh, resto mods. And, and I think you were right. I never really thought about it, but I believe that is a Barrett-Jackson Scottsdale auction week coined term you know I, i'm kind of a resto rod guy because I, I i like the old cars but just you know get, give me my 60 cadillac on a brand new escalade chassis and i'm, I'm good that's right, that's right. I, I want the daily reliability of that and the look of the old but then we get into i know when we're walking around good guys it's you know, uh, you're in that the one hall and you have the hot rods on one side and there's a dozen of them up for their awards and on the right, the other side you have the street machines and 
had alluded to earlier, the rat rods. And I'm not quite a big fan of the rat rods. I think the look's cool. You know, rat rods you built with, you know, leftover stuff. And they were kind of ratty. And then the problem is, is they got to be too ratty and downright dangerous. And now they're built almost with all brand new components and just patinaed. What about... What about some of these, you know, sub-subcultures to the hot rod street ride industry? Uh, opinions, thoughts, definitions? You know, to me, a lot of people call traditionally built hot rods rat rods. Okay. Um, the shop truck that we built, the 65 Ford truck. Yes, it was rough on the outside. Okay. It was factory paint. You know, Mother Nature had done its thing on that truck since 1965. You raise the hood, the firewall had been repainted, slicked up nice. It had a a, a rebuilt 460 uh, custom inner fender wells that were painted up nice. So under the hood was really nice and detailed. The interior, you know, it had leather interior. Everything was insulated, dynamat, air conditioned you know, modern gauges and the bottom side of the truck was really nice too. That thing got called a rat rod more times. I just got tired of arguing with people. You know, that thing was far from a rat rod. I'm like you, John, I'm not a big fan of rat rods, uh, but I do like patinaed, well-built hot rods. I had a 46 Ford or a 46 Chevrolet fleet line, uh, flat black, wide whites, Pretty nice car. People called it a rat rod. It wasn't a rat rod. It was a, you know, it was a custom. It was like a fifties custom. To me, the definition of a rat rod is as we call them at the shop. We call a lot of times we call them junk rods. I'm not a fan of it. Never have been a fan of it. It's gotta be safe. If it's not safe, it don't need to be on the road. And there's a lot of cars out there that just aren't safe. I'm going to say it's not just rat rods that fall in that unsafe. Some of them are just poorly built. But when I was alluding to rat rods, people got to the point where, you know, they would take an old Model A frame that wasn't designed to have a really a Model A motor in it anymore, let alone putting a 327 in it with 300 or 400 horsepower. And the frame is rusted through in areas and the rivet holes are elongated. And there's just, there's just nothing there that, makes it safe and you go oh it's my car i'm driving it i'm the one who's going to get killed unfortunately when that car comes apart at 70 miles an hour on the interstate there's usually somebody next to you or within a couple hundred feet that can go along for that that ride with you and those are always the people i'm con- you know concerned with yes it, I, exactly um i might i might be willing to die for my ride but i'm not willing to take somebody with me because of it yep There's another guy out there, Ricky Bobby's Rod Shop. He builds a really, really cool car. Most of his cars are Model A sedans, um, really low slung. People call them rat rods. His cars are so far from a rat rod, but it has, you know, they're really low. They're chopped hard. The back tires stick up, you know, above the, the rear window opening, you know, between the, you know, the window openings. You know, people call them rat rods, but it's 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 not a rat rod. It's a it's actually a really a really nice car. I'm I'm not a fan of 
you know, when you raise the hood on something and it, it's just, it looks dangerous. Not a fan of these crazy suspensions that these guys come up with that, you know, they take parts off of this and parts off of that and just junky looking stuff, you know, um, not a, not a fan of, you know, stop signs for floor pans, you know, I mean, it, it can go on for days. And, and, you know, when you go to these traditionally inspired shows, a lot of them are called rat rod shows. And, and granted there are, there are cars being built. Like you said, it's all new parts that they've made to look like a rat rod, you know, and I guess I need to come to the term that a rat rod can be a dependable car, but in my mind, uh, you know, a rat rod is an unsafe hot rod that may, may have a, may have a cool look. It may not, you know, it's kind of gotten out of hand where to me, all of them are pretty junky and ragged looking, you know, um, a lot of people take it over overboard. You got that, that TV show, Las Vegas rat rods. He's not really building rat rods. You know, to me, that's not a rat rod. He's building a, you know, a pretty high dollar car. That's all safe with good suspension. Yeah. He put these, he puts diesel motors in a lot of them that don't classify it as a rat rod. It's just a diesel powered traditional kind of built hot rod, but they're really not traditional built hot rods either, you know? So I, I still have mixed emotions on the rat rod thing. I guess you can have something that looks like a rat rod, but it's really not a rat rod. I don't know what you would call it because it's not really a hot rod. It's not a street ride. I mean, I, I guess it is a rat rod. I don't know. I don't know how, how we've done in this episode of educating. We, we've definitely given some definitions and we definitely then spun off on some tangents about every one of these little subcultures in that in, in this industry. This is probably an episode that you need to take your Christmas vacation after you've listened to us or if you're picking this up in January or something and go back a little bit on our social media because I'm definitely going to get some pictures up and do some definitions because I think a lot of this needs to be explained in photographs. You know, every photograph's 10,000 more words or a thousand more words that we can add to this podcast. And it's tough to tough to narrate the visualizations and uh, what we're talking about, especially on the low end of the rat rod uh, scale. So yeah, I'm a little bit different than you will. I think a rat rod's a look and I think that's what you're coming to terms with is it, it kind of looks ratty and stuff. Originally it was a junky car or something that was naturally patinaed and put together and it's now grown. And I think the people, the shops building them that have to take liability, the people that can afford to build them at those shops have taken responsibility and they've stepped up the game and realized we need to kind of start with something good, i.e. like your shop truck, which was a solid vehicle that has a lot of cool stuff under it to, to prove that it's a solid, solid a car. But on the outside, it, it has that nostalgic feel. I'm going to bring restoration into this. Uh, one of the first cars I ever was involved in restoring was a 1929 Packard. And it amazed me the fit 
of the, of the components that a layer of paint didn't allow these two pieces to go together. And I'm thinking, this is 1929. You know, th- they didn't have that level of precision. You know, ni- 19-teens obviously didn't. And people talk about, oh, these cars were brush painted or these cars were, you know, the parts were dipped and then the drips were cut off of them. So they had runs and things in them. And, and we use that as an excuse to, excuse the term, but half-ass the work we're doing. And that that's not the case. Those cars were done very well, even in the day. Even a basic $300, $350 Model T in the day was a well-constructed vehicle. There were corners cut in that, but everything was still precision. Um, if you get into the Rolls Royces and that of, of the teens, you know, they had redundant systems and precision to the ten thousandths of an inch. I think a lot of people don't realize that existed. So they ha- have to have a little bit of that, that patina is correct. Well, it, it when it was new, it didn't have the patina. It was a great vehicle. And the the rat rod is kind of, we, we think of the romanticism of, oh, that was a great shop truck in 1966. Well, it didn't look like that in 1966. That's that shop truck as it aged 40 or 50 years. And so I, I think of the rat rod as an, an appearance and, and a strictly a style that fortunately people's um, trying to think of the term I want people's again sense of responsibility have brought them to be safe reliable dependable cars that can run through Barrett Jackson for obscene amounts of money and people can justify putting obscene amounts of money into these cars to achieve that look as opposed to somebody who digs a, a literally digs a Model A frame out of somebody's back 40 behind a barn and takes it out that, you know, that's got rust holes through the frame and then slaps something together. It, oh, it looks cool, but it's dangerous. Yeah, you know, I think I think I can change justify changing my terminology from you know, a rat rod being a look and a style. And then what I used to consider a rat rod, hell, I'll just call them junk rods. <laughs> that might be a good term to start start um, using, and maybe we can coin that one here. <laughs> so uh, an unsafe rat rod is a junk rod. There you go. I'm going to... I'm going to go with that. So, <laughs> so we, we started with a few categories that we wanted to try to define, and we've now coined a new one. So when you see, you know, a junk rod and the guy that's sitting in his Model A that, you know, the, the rear tires are as tall as the roof line because it's chopped so much, and the guy sits in it and his head's above the, comes out of the roof, and the gear shifts above his head, and he's got to, you know, reach up like he's got ape hangers to shift the thing but the shifter comes out of the transmission half the time, there's a junk rod for you. There you go. Done. I'm going to say we'll go ahead and make it a short episode. Uh, We'll go ahead and cut it here. Hopefully we have defined some of this stuff for everybody. This, you know, like I said, this episode's releasing on Christmas, and I know some of our listeners will download this and listen to it here on Christmas, but let's not take you completely away from your family today. 
And if you're somebody who's picking it up a little bit later in the week, I'm going to say sorry about the abbreviated episode. But just to let you know, we're here. We are going to take uh, New Year's off. We're not going to release an episode on New Year's Day. So we'll see you the second, second Monday in January. To let everybody know or to let your friends know, we have now officially been added to the Spotify catalog. That's another 100 million potential listeners for us. Almost more popular than the iTunes. But, you know, of course, you can find this podcast on any of your favorite podcatchers. If you can't, please send us a message. Sometimes things go wrong. Sometimes the coding gets messed up. And I can't check every single app out there every week. Uh, if I could, I would almost have to actually be doing work for a change. <laughs> but do you have anything to say, to say for the last time in uh, 2017 to our listeners, Will? Man, I just want to thank uh, thank everybody for listening. Uh, hopefully we don't bore you to death. And if you like us, you know, tell your friends. Just go ahead and grab their phone and, and uh, download it for them. You know, just go ahead and do it right then. I've actually done that on. Oh, uh, you know, a lot of my family, they ask about it. And I'm just like, give me your phone. And uh, I hope everybody had had a, a good Christmas and has a happy new year. And, you know, 2018, uh, 2018 should be a good one. So we're going we're going to keep the ball rolling here. at No driving gloves and uh, continue to record uh, every week or at least every week that we can. And um you know, hopefully uh, y'all be along for the ride. Yeah, we we thank everybody for being with us for for this first six months of the 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 show. This is the thirtieth episode in. We're almost we're approaching four thousand downloads. Nobody ever talks about their downloads, but four thousand in six months is a pretty respectable number for three guys that don't know how to use social media. I'm going to say, kind of like Will, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, insert whichever holiday you want, uh, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, etc., etc. Can't say them all because we leave them all out, but I think those are the big three. Happy New Year, and I think uh, you'll have me, Derek, and Will seeing you the second weekend of January 2018, and we'll look for a good ride into that year, as we said. But with that, I'm going to say good night, good afternoon, happy generic time of the day to everyone out there.